Welcome to the Suburbs. I'm Kim. I'm Juice. And, and this, this is Suburban, Suburban Pod. Pod. We're just two bougie Negroes trying to figure out how to express our blackness in white spaces. Follow us on Twitter at Suburban Pod. And follow us on Instagram at Sub underscore Urban Pod. All right, enjoy. So, I went to my mom's house yesterday, mm-hmm. and so we were just sitting around talking. My my sister and her husband were there, and some kind of way, we got on to the fact that my brother-in-law thinks that he is light-skinned. Oh, no. He's, he's darker than you. He's darker mm-hmm. than me. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And so... That's, I got called light skin in California and I thought it was so weird. It was, this shit was mind blowing because like some kind of way he said something like he was like, yeah, some girls used to call me red and I was, before I could even stop myself. I was like, nigga, ain't nobody ever called you red. <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, red is a term that black people use for super light skin. Yes. Black people. Right. <laughs> um. So, we start going in the conversation because, for one, my my mom is probably was probably lighter than my brother in law, but my sister is a little bit lighter than me, so she is a chocolate girl. Every time my brother in law says red, it triggers the fuck out of my sister. I bet because anytime he sees somebody, he's like, "Oh, he got a red bone." It triggers my sister to be like, what the fuck? I hate, like, she hates that word. (laughs) (laughs) And so we started talking. And, like, I never really thought about, because my sister, always just looked at my sister as pretty. And everybody always talked about how pretty she was. But I never thought about the whole, you're pretty for a dark-skinned girl thing that she definitely got. And so she started talking about that a little bit. And my my brother-in-law wasn't really understanding, like, her struggle mm, with that. That sucks. Right. And he wasn't trying to be... He was trying to understand it. But it just wouldn't... Yeah. It like, wasn't clicking. I don't think he ever really thought about how much it bothered her when he said that. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about that. And then we just started talking about how, like, for one, I'm very dark skinned, so I've never, I've never been confused as to where I am on the spectrum of color. So that's never been like a weird thing. But the idea that you will want to be considered light skinned when you're you aren't now compared to his family, he's he's probably the lightest one. Mm-hmm. But in our family. It ranges from you, if you look, you may look white on some days. I have relatives that look like that. And then I have relatives that are darker than me. Mm -hmm. So I've seen every type of shade in my family. So to me, being light skinned is something different from 
Sounds like he needs therapy. But I don't think he, I don't think he <laughs> understood it as. That's kind of weird. Like you know what I'm saying? The idea that you consider that. I wish we could just have a black people chart with definitive skin shades on it that showed you <laughs> <laughs> what what you are. are. You light skin? Are you brown skin? Or are you dark skin? Right. These are the range of shades that are considered light skin. This is brown skin. This is dark. Like I wish we had just like an established chart. And maybe they could update it, you know, every couple years. You know, like, just make sure we got this right. Just so, you know, get the right undertones. The right measurements. There, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but I hate, like, the whole light skin, dark skin debate is so, it's, it's still such a an intricate conversation to have with different people. Because right. everybody's perspectives are so different on it, which blows my mind. But that's also because we because we're all black, we assume that other black people understand our specific struggles to our relationship to the world and our black skin. Mm-hmm. But we all have different experiences. Like the idea that you will want to be considered light skin when you aren't goes more into other details and why that is considered a good thing. Yeah. Or why black kids don't aren't allowed to go out in the sun because their moms don't want, want them, them to, to get, get darker, dark. which is a real thing. It is. Like my mom used to tell me when I had band camp every summer, <laughs> nerd moment. <laughs> Back like, in band camp. I would get darker pretty much like every single day. I was just getting darker because we were in the sun for at least like four or five, six hours. Mm-hmm. And every time I come home, she or she used to say stuff to me like, you're not washing your neck good enough. Your neck look dark. Like me and your daddy aren't that dark. Why are you like your neck shouldn't be that dark? And I'm like, I, it's just dark. Like I've been in the sun. I got a, I got a tan. Like, I don't know what you want me to, what do you want me to do? I'm gonna go back to my natural color eventually. But like, but, and then at a certain time for a little while, I used to not want to get darker for a long time when I was a younger kid, like especially around, Especially around middle school. I want to say in high school, like I just kind of quit giving a damn, but middle school is when I was way more concerned about like getting too dark. And then there was this whole thing where everybody thought if you put sunblock on that it wouldn't turn your skin. And I'm like, <laughs> no, that's not how sunblock works. It's not a shield. It's this thing we call, we have in our skin <laughs> called melanin. And right. that kind of counteracts all it's of that. It's not going <laughs> to stop your melanin from being activated by the sun. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's. It goes the level of colorism and how deep it goes is mind blowing. And I think, like, to our white listeners who may not understand it, because that shit is fucking stupid. <laughs> but. The reason that it happens is because a lot of reasons, partially because slavery and you have to uh, demonize darker skinned people Mm -hmm. as being savages and things like that. But everybody has their own weird struggle with blackness. And like, that's why when we say blackness in white spaces, that's what it's talking about. We're trying to find our way in a world that doesn't 
allow for you to be too black. Yeah. I mean, shit, it's honestly, it's another duality because not only are we trying to find our way in, in the white world, but we trying to find our way in our the own community world. too. Right. Like, it's, a, it's just a lot of shit <laughs> that we have to fucking sort out all the damn time. Right. Like, that shit, it started getting deep. And then, like, it's just weird. <laughs> but my mom was like, she was like going at it. But even like some things that my mom would say like to my brother-in-law, she would be like, like Dennis's uh, granddaddy. Talking about my daddy. Mm-hmm. His granddaddy was black, black. <laughs> I was like, whoa, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to tell you about it. Tell me tell you. have one question turn up one second we have two questions actually um one is from uh big vince but uh he asked us um what made y'all become socially conscious especially considering a great upbringing like myself so I think what honestly really kind of got me into being socially aware was connecting with other black people in college and talking about our experiences at a white college and just kind of like making light of it, but then also like realizing that it has to be some real shit for us to all have similar experiences in white spaces if we are all sitting here talking about it um and then when i got into the read when they first started in 2012 which is so crazy that they've been doing this shit for almost seven years when i got into the read i was relating to them so hard that i was i was immediately obsessed with them so i was i and still to this day i listen to their episodes as soon as they drop but i think they really like their perspectives and what they talk about really kind of opened me up into to to not wokeness but just like being a little bit more conscious yeah that's just really seeing like the reality reality of things that have to do with race and why things are the way they are and you know i'm saying like why people operate the way they operate and as far as uh interacting you know with black and white people or just people of different races like that that's that's really what got me like into it and then i think honestly just following the people that they are always talking about and you know it just stems you just kind of go down a rabbit hole it's like when you add one friend that you meet Mm -hmm. you start seeing a whole bunch of others pop up in your people you meant it like it was one of those things like it, it it's it literally was manifested in me through them and then i just kind of it was just like a like an awakening almost. It was like, damn, like 
I ain't this, black. Right. Like, <laughs> all this shit makes sense and all this shit is real and like, wow. It's like, what the fuck? I can relate. So, yeah. That's what it was for me. Um, Quick question. Do you ever wish you had went to a HBCU after your experience at Auburn? Because seeing the person you became, do you wish that you had that experience also? I honestly wish that I went to an HBCU before I went to Auburn. Like so if I was if I was going to redo the whole thing, I would go to an HBCU first. Like if I was deciding to go on and get my masters. Mm-hmm. I think like I just feel like that black undergrad college experience is really pivotal for a lot of black people whether they're always around black people or not like i just feel like it's so important for us to see the different kinds of black people right that are part of diaspora yeah like i wish i had i wish i had seen more of that now i'm not saying that i didn't because i mean obviously there's a lot of black kids that went to auburn like a lot of people don't assume that even though it is a predominantly white school it is a big school so there's still a whole lot of black right. shit, you know. What I'm the saying? way I always think about it is, if the student, the black student population of Auburn was at a separate campus, it would be HBCU, basically, and it would be one of the bigger HBCUs. Probably, yeah, probably. Because well, how how big is A and M? How big was it when you were going? I think it was seven thousand. Yes, kids. It, we were already crouching on like thirty thousand. Yeah, but how many black students? Probably, probably ten. Mm. Probably. It, it wasn't 50-50 for sure, but... It was probably 30-40%. It's safe to say probably 30%. Yeah. So 30% of, what, 30,000? Probably about 10,000. Yeah, yeah. So it would be probably the largest HBCU in, in Alabama, because I think... I think A&M is. Alabama State might have us. I know Tuskegee doesn't. No. Um. But yeah, like... I forgot how I was going with that. <laughs> um, My bad. Uh, we were talking about, you're saying uh, black kids going to Auburn. Obviously, it was a lot of black kids that went to Auburn. It was a lot of black kids that went to Auburn, but it still just wasn't. For one, it was still, it was a lot of black kids who were trying to be white. For one. Um, and then. It was a lot of black kids that honestly probably just didn't even like fuck with Auburn for real just because it was Auburn. You know what I'm saying? Like there would be black kids coming out of the woodworks that I'd never seen in my life. And they were like, oh, yeah, I've been here for this many years. I don't really, really fuck with the campus. So or the, you know, all well, they probably shit. drive to HBCU on yeah, the weekends you know and shit. <laughs> yes. Those kind of people that really just went to class and went home. Or, I knew tons of p- people at A&M that would just show up on the weekend <laughs> or literally, a grand one. Literally, literally. So, yeah, I, I just don't feel like I got the full um, variety of black people. At Auburn, it was like the black black kids who were, you know, a part of the sororities and the frats and shit. And then it was like the white black kids, <laughs> which is what people have considered 
me all my life. I was waiting for you to uh, say it. <laughs> I was somewhere in the middle. I was somewhere in the middle. Like, I fucked with both. Um, I became socially... I've always been woke. No, I'm just <laughs> Born woke. But, like, I played Kim part of my family's conversations. Like, we've always talked about in-depth issues and things like that. And... My grandparents were part of the civil rights movement in Mississippi and worked with uh, Charles Evers, Meg Evers' brother, who took over after he was assassinated. Mm. So um, I've always, we've always been pretty socially aware. And plus, I'm a history nerd, so I've always studied stuff like that. Um, I, I guess the defining moment. I knew I wanted to go to HBCU from 10th grade on because I was I, I was also considered too white for black kids but that's because I didn't fall into stereotypes but I was just a weirdo I was still like like the white kids I hung out with thought I was racist <laughs> <laughs> because they would let that shit they would they would say they little racist ass shit and I would call them. so um this it, actually part of the conversation that me and my sister started talking about yesterday because when she went to Buckhorn she was one of seven black kids in her class damn and which I think three of them were mixed race raised by white parents so yeah, and then she went to UNA. Now, she did want to go to Tuskegee, but back then, that was right before the internet was, like, everywhere. So, she only knew about schools that were close to her. Mm-hmm. She knew Tuskegee was down there, but she didn't know anybody that went to Tuskegee. She didn't, She wasn't part of the network of Black Huntsville or anything like that. So, she went to UNA. And... So we were talking about it, and she was like, sometimes she had wished she went to HBCU. Um, the only reason, really, I went to HBCU. No, let me go back. The only HBCU we knew was A&M, and my sister did not want to go to A&M because it's right down the street from my mom, and she was trying to escape at all costs. She was trying to get away. Because <laughs> my mom was so overbearing. But... And then she knew about Alcorn because that's where my mom went. That's where my granddaddy was a professor mm-hmm. and all that. But she really didn't want to go to Alcorn just because that was too far. So she went to UNA. So she wanted to be close but not reachable. Right. And she said when she went on her visit to UNA and she saw that it was like an hour and a half, two hours, she was like, oh, this is perfect. Like she was still a mama's, I mean, uh, like a... Uh, a spoiled little girl, but she wanted a little bit of freedom. I feel like that's how my sister is. Me, on the other hand, I'm like independent as hell. Like I don't, <laughs> I can go across the country and be okay. And that's that's how I kind of was because all right, tenth grade I started looking up schools, uh, start researching like every HBCU in in the country. Mm-hmm. I always used to want to go to Howard or Morehouse. But I didn't, uh, (laughs) 
didn't take school serious enough to made it to Morehouse without having to pay an arm and a leg. Mm. <laughs> so I started looking at other schools. I thought about going to Tuskegee and then them bougie ass niggas act like they fucking Harvard of Alabama. And they they really do. And they look down on everybody. So I was like, man, fuck y'all motherfuckers. They really do. And Terrell. it's <laughs> looking at you, Terrell. You hear that, Terrell? <laughs> <laughs> so I started looking at other schools. I looked at Grambling and Alcorn, Alabama State, Miles, Stillman, and I think Clark Atlanta and Southern. So I went on a visit to Alcorn. My granddaddy was trying hard to get me to Alcorn. Oh, and then I went, because Alcorn, I mean, Grandwin's an hour and a half from Alcorn. So I went to Grandwin the next day, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going here. <laughs> now, when I got to Grandwin, this when it was a, a whole new world. That's cute. Your granddaddy wanted you to follow in his footsteps. Yep. Sometimes I wish I went, but I had a good experience in Grandwin. I mean, you could still go if you wanted to. Right. But I think my awakening really started when I was on campus at Grambling and I realized how not black I was. Mm. <laughs> Even though, like, it was just I just had different experiences. Now, I'm not going to say I wasn't black because I was, I'm black. And I saw tons, it was tons of, like, the Cali kids mm-hmm. that were out there that, they're skateboarding around campus and wearing tight jeans and shit. And then there's the Bay kids from, uh, like, uh, San Francisco and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Bay. And, you know, they have their funny little ways of talking and stuff. And they extra grimy and shit. But, yeah, I just had a different experience. And then when I got back here, I went to A&M. A&M was really bougie, too. It is. Like people don't realize the bouginess of A and M. It's a lot of it's a lot of students on A and M's campus that come from money. Yeah. Especially the kids around here. If they go to A and M, they their parents are probably pretty successful. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things my mom was talking about. Like a lot of her kids at Huntsville High. Even like the black kids, they think that A and M is beneath them. Oh. It's like, oh, you you clearly don't know anything about A and M if you think do that. they? If you go on campus, you'll see just how bougie <laughs> these Negroes are. Hmm. Black education is bougie as fuck, either. Because they, for one, because it's kind of it's it's kind of like it's so exclusive, honestly. And then like it's almost like it's a club. It's it's what's the word I'm trying to look for? It's it's private, but like. It's like understood to be private. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like almost all HBCUs are pretty much private schools. A lot of them are, yeah. Because, I mean, if you have a good private school, that's the best way to keep finances in-house and people accountable. Mm-hmm. The other part of black education is a lot of people have um, bought into the idea of what Du Bois called the talented tenth. Meaning that the people at HBCUs are the top of black society. And it is their duty to educate the rest of black society, which is very elitist. 
It is. So that's part of it also. Um, and then the other part of it is most, most uh, very successful black people in America went to HBCUs. There's a level of networking going to an HBCU that it's not, I'm not going to say it's not everywhere, but it's something unique about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so I was always kind of socially conscious, but going to HBCU and being involved with politics and then Obama running my sophomore year of college. And then me getting on Facebook and realizing that the white kids I went to school with were, were kind of racist. When Obama ran, I think was like the awakening. Yeah, it literally was like the renaissance for us. Like yeah, and to be on a, a HBCU campus when the first black president is getting elected is the dopest feeling I will ever have for the rest of my life. I remember it happening. I remember exactly what the fuck happened. <laughs> Uh, like I like literally the next day I went out and bought an Obama T-shirt from. Oh, you you waited till he won. Mm. Wow, <laughs> Clinton supported. I'll just. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was it was super lit. It was super lit. But yeah, that that kind of definitely helped me too. And then just honestly, like running into weird little experiences, like going to the clubs downtown in Auburn. And like whatever new dance craze was going on, all the little white girls coming up to me asking for me to teach them how to do shit. Like, can you teach me how to Dougie Kim? Literally, literally, <laughs> literally. I taught tons of white people how to dance. And uh, secret, I actually don't know how to dance. I just know how to dance good enough for white people. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it used to happen a whole lot. Like especially if they ever played any kind of like line dancing type song, like um <laughs> the uh wobble, the wobble. Yes. Uh the wop like that happened. Why do white people love the wop? I don't know. That's their shit. I don't know, but shit's dead. <laughs> the wobble is dead now too, but they still get excited about that shit. But that like that running into that just those kind of like reoccurring experiences just really always put me in my head like and also the the whole double consciousness of being like am I experiencing this because this happens to everybody or am I experiencing this because I'm a black somebody right like right it has to be but for the the way that it not the way that it happened but the the consistency at which it was happening right just led me to believe that it's because i was like, black oh i'm black okay yeah yeah like yeah. let me go ask this black girl how to do this black shit <laughs> you're a nigger right now just like <laughs> <laughs> right literally yeah that <laughs> but you yeah, know those kind of experiences just always like i just would I always have conversations with myself about like Am I tripping? Right. Or are they tripping? That That is what life in America as a black person is. Like, I would have whole ass monologues just reading the fuck out of white people right. after shit like that happened. Like, no, bitch, I will not teach you how to Dougie. You know why? Because we have the internet and you can learn it for yourself. 
Somebody else can teach you how to. Oh, do so it. it's my responsibility to entertain you, huh? Why you can't? <laughs> why you can't? Like, th- honestly, like pick up the dance moves the way we picked up the dance moves. You thought I was just born knowing how to do the motherfucking Dougie? Yes, that's why they asked you. <laughs> <laughs> no, bitch, I had to learn too. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of um stir has been caused around anti-vaxxing people lately especially now with like this new little flu bug that's been going around and people kids dying from like measles and shit Mm -hmm. it's a measles outbreak i think in like oregon that's crazy but yeah i've seen a lot of um like facebook posts most of it is like memes of people getting made fun of for not vaccinating their kids but panicking when like there's an outbreak of something yeah like one person put a screenshot up and it was like what can i do to make my kid avoid uh the measles um he's not vaccinated and person was like well first off you could have gotten vaccinated (laughs) yeah (laughs) like usually that that stops it but also i guess for argument's sake we'll say what uh anti-vaxxers believe they believe that most of the vaccines that are given to children to stop them from getting diseases that may otherwise kill them <laughs> <laughs> cause autism. Yeah, like every everything that has to do with vaccinations for these anti-vaxxers is literally like a direct correlation with autism. Right. And, all right, full disclosure, my two nephews are both on the spectrum. So I look at things like this a little different. Um, uh, so the idea that you are so afraid of your children having autism, which autism doesn't stop them from living a fulfilling life right? or in, in result living, <laughs> you're so afraid that they would have autism that you would rather them risk having death to avoid autism. Yep. It's the most head ass fucking argument <laughs> I have ever fucking heard in my life. The crazy thing is a lot of the people that mention being anti-vaccines tend to be rich white people. Yeah. I wonder what that's about. Also. That's mostly the people. Now I have seen where they're trying to get black anti-vaxxers. But yeah, please don't fall for that trap because the reason that these vaccines work is because they have rid people of dying in childhood. Right. Like somebody was like, if you go look, if you walk through a cemetery, you will see a lot of children uh, who died from childhood diseases that have been eradicated or we thought were eradicated. Now you're seeing kids getting diseases that didn't happen when we were kids because we had gotten rid of all of that shit. Is it going to take polio coming back for people to be like, you know what, maybe we were wrong about this anti-vax shit. Yeah, because for me, it's just like you have to have 
certain vaccinations before you can even start school. Right. And there's a reason for that. Because you might kill somebody. Because kids being around kids is just a whole lot of germs a whole lot of the time. So everybody is trying to protect themselves and other people from getting shit that could vastly affect their health. Right. Or the health of our most vulnerable, which are children. Right. So why do you think, like, we had to get a we had to get a tetanus shots for high school, and we had to get MMR for college. Like, is that meningitis? Measles, mumps, rubella. Okay. And meningitis. We had to get meningitis too. Yeah. So it's just like the the reason why we even have vaccinations is because we're trying to protect ourselves when we go into these new environments of other people. So like, why do you think your child? <laughs> it's ultimate privilege. The idea that I know better than doctors. And I've heard a lot of dumbass people say stuff like that. Like, doctors don't know what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, they don't fucking know. They only went to school for fucking 10 years and took all these fucking tests and all these residencies and all this other bullshit. But you, high school dropout, know exactly the same amount of stuff as this fucking doctor. Yeah, so I I did screenshot. So... (laughs) There was a post, it was like a breaking news post a couple weeks back, and it says, officials to declare a public health emergency over measles outbreak. And I don't know where this was. I think somewhere in Washington. Anyway, so the first comment up under this, uh, this, this breaking news post, someone said, people are so stupid, uh, frowny face, just vaccinate your kids. And so another woman commented and she said, "Mm, I'm curious how you would know if someone who isn't vaccinated would give your son who is vaccinated a sickness. (laughs) I don't vaccinate my older two girls who are 10 and eight aren't vaccinated. They've been sick maybe twice their whole life other than the common cold. And my son isn't vaccinated either. Just curious. And this is a white woman with dreads married to a black man and all her children are with this black man. And it was just so fitting. I went, I clicked on her profile. I was like, oh, it all makes sense. Mm. But my thing is, is if your child contracts something that they have a vaccination for, it might indicate that your child needs that vaccination. <laughs> and Period. Also, it don't matter who they got it from. And also, if that vaccination works, then that would mean the carrier of it clearly wasn't vaccinated. Boom. So therefore, <laughs> it's only logical that you could assume that the person that gave your child the virus was did not have the vaccination. vaccination. It's really simple. People want to be so fucking deep that they miss the forest for the trees. I know. I understand everybody is on this whole, like, well, if you eat what you need to eat, like your body will naturally fight off the, and that's true. But also we have to help our body. Like we, that's what supplements are for. And that, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have to fortify our bodies. I don't care what kind of diet you have. You can be 
vegan keto 21 day miami atkins all that bullshit but if you get the flu you're gonna need some help like there's so many people that just believe that just the human body is 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 magical like right. well, we got through all this shit before i'm like yeah a lot of people had to die behind it though exactly <laughs> that's the other part of it like when people are like we survived polio no we didn't <laughs> no tons we of people didn't. didn't survive polio we came up with a vaccination because niggas <laughs> was like, dying out here. Like, we're gonna lose a whole generation of fucking kids if we don't stop this shit sheesh <laughs> the baby boom is a direct result of vaccinations hmm most of those kids would have fucking died. Yeah. Our parents and grandparents would not have lived long enough to have us if it wasn't for vaccinations. Mm-hmm. But you dumbass motherfuckers, like, if you eat the right shit, you can fight off AIDS. Like, what's the nigga's name? <laughs> Dr. CB? I know. Oh, Dr. S- uh, Dr. Seppi. He, he is, uh, he found the cure for AIDS and then people killed him. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Yeah, I had an old manager that believed in all of his like products and ideals. and. I know at least one of our followers is a believer in Dr. CB. Mm. But nah, nigga, that shit. I mean, I ain't, I mean, first off, I'm not going to act like I'm the picture of health to give out health advice. I mean, but, me neither, but shit. But you got to use your, your head on some of this shit. Common sense. Like, I I eat pretty healthily, but that don't mean that my risk for catching some shit when shit is at high risk is, <laughs> is, is lower than anybody else's. Like, Here's the other thing. that This is what I was going to say. Um, like, when, like, yeah, you have all the things to fight off all these chemicals. Not everybody does. Yeah. Um, where all of our bodies are different, right? And your bodies are able to fight off certain things, and the whole survival of the fittest thing is because the weak will die off, right? Because everybody, <laughs> once again, everybody's different. There are certain people who are just born with weaker immune systems, and they're just way more prone to being sick every season at the same time yeah. with the same kind of shit, like. And some people can be right in the midst of the it, flu virus and not catch shit. And it's so callous to be like, because the other thing is people will take that to another level and be like, well, if they weren't meant to fight it off, they weren't meant to fight it off. You dumb fuck. That's somebody's fucking loved one. But they could have if they tried. <laughs> right. If you had done what you need to do with your kids, somebody else might be here. <laughs> But instead, you studying shit on fucking Reddit (laughs) from niggas that don't know any more than you about health shit and not taking advice of fucking doctors because one doctor who has been disproved in all his research and debunked and all this other shit thinks differently. Yeah, no. It's just like the people that don't believe in fucking climate change. And they all like, well, some Christian scientists don't believe that. Well, those Christian scientists are full of fucking shit. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Like when Donald Trump's dumbass is talking about um, Klobuchar, um, the senator who who was running, and she's she's in somewhere cold, and she was out in the snow. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, clearly climate change is real. I mean, isn't real if she, if that snow was out there. You dumb fuck. 
I fucking hate people. We're so fucking anti-intellectual in this goddamn country that people say the dumbest shit and we have to act like because of freedom of speech that we let them cook. No, nigga, you stupid. <laughs> stupid AF. Dumb motherfuckers. Yeah, I'm tired of everybody trying to be above some shit that they don't need to be above. Like, just everyone, just do your research. Shit. If you don't do nothing else, do your research. Okay, so <laughs> real quick, I've been wondering, I've been doing some introspection, and I realized that I have been a, what is called a friend thief or a friend stealer to a couple of people. And I was talking to Casey about it. Um, but I never, I, like, I really had to, to sit back and think about shit. But, like, I've just been getting these weird interactions, like, um, if I, so, okay, if I'm hanging out with a friend and they introduce me to their friend and their friend starts coming around more, I develop a relationship with that person and then I start kicking it with that person too. And then the original friend is upset that me and this person now have a relationship outside of them, outside of them or that it's not even like a relationship outside of them. It's just even just like communication outside of them is too much. Like I shouldn't be talking to, friends of friends without the original without the OG friend at all for any reason is the the vibe that I get in these in these situations um but it's happened it's happened with like three people that I can think of right off the top of my head right now and I'm really wondering if if there's like a certain etiquette on my side like am I supposed to reach out to the OG friends and be like hey are you cool if me and so-and-so go to lunch this day? Are you cool if so-and-so is hitting me up to hang out? Like, am I supposed to do that? Or is this whole issue like kind of petty on the other person's side? Cause I'm trying to put myself in that situation and I don't feel like I've had a friend thief a friend thief. I don't have. I don't. I don't feel like any of my friends a friend fiend have have been able. <laughs> none of my friends have been able to be stolen from me. Like, am I am I in the wrong for it? What? I will say this. I have realized this. It is amazing the amount of people that you like. How many people's numbers you have? You're like, oh damn, you guys that person's number who whose number do i have that shocked you like that you're like i'm about to t- like when we were doing the last uh last episode i'm about to text them right now like um, whoa wait a minute well, <laughs> what did you think that i had his number though no i was just no it was just i i did think just now think about that it was like yeah you do have a lot of weird interactions with people <laughs> but it's not i don't give a fuck i mean for one because 
we're just friends. And yeah. I don't care about anything like that. Yeah. But I don't see why women... I don't, I don't understand even more why women would care about that. Yeah, like for... I guess my mentality is I want all my friends to be friends. Like if I bring a friend around my my other friends, it's because it's somebody that I want to be a part of that friend circle. So to me, like if you bring somebody around... And, you know, I'm saying I develop a a friendship with them outside of our friendship, then that's that's what was supposed to happen. That's was meant to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why you brought them around, was it not? Right. So I don't know. Like, to me, like me and Casey were talking about it because she said that it's happened to her before, too, pretty often. And we were just saying that it might be because we're so laid back. Like, we're more chill. We're more easy to. We can adapt to different types of people or different situations. I I am also the same way. Like, I'm not trying to brag. But people say that they're I'm pretty easy to talk to. Yeah. So, I have communications with... It's just like uh, white juice. We became best friends through Colton. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we were similar personalities and we just kicked it off like that from the jump. I had only met Steve that day (laughs) and we just just kicked it off from there. I remember meeting him at Chance's house. I have his number for some reason. Exactly. Exactly. I don't remember remember how I got his fucking number. I think it was when uh, he had came to Auburn because he didn't go to Auburn. Did he? Mm -hmm. Did he? Mm -hmm. Shit. Well, it must have been. I think it was actually at Colton's frat house. Yeah, because he's a pipe. That we met, and then I got his number for whatever reason. Probably some drunk shit. I don't fucking know. Right. Um, but yeah, I just think like it's never intentional for me to be like, ooh, I'm gonna go steal, Mister Steal your friend. Like that's not me. <laughs> I'm not out here to try to like take anybody from anybody. Like I just literally. Turn around, your friend missing. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm not even trying to say it like in a cocky way or in it like I'm out here stealing y'all niggas. <laughs> honestly, like friend stealer is the best term that I can come. Friend up feed. With. I can't. I can't come up with a better term. I don't know what a better term is for it. Um, it's unintentional. It's very unintentional. I would have to hear the other person. I would have to hear the other person's side of it because it does just seem like some petty bullshit. But also when people have a very, not to say that you're this person, but when people have a very interesting, very cool friend, they kind of want to be like, that's my friend. (laughs) Mm. So they're possessive of it. So we, we have heard some of the other side. Um, and that person basically was just like, I feel like I'm being left out because um, this has happened to me before where I introduce friends and then suddenly like I start being squeezed out. And that wasn't what was happening at all in this particular situation. It was literally a situation where we have a group thread. We were planning on going to an event this one Sunday and we, you know, sent messages in the group like, hey, everybody, you know, what time we meeting up? And only me and one other girl were responding. The other two were didn't respond for hours. 
one of them ended up just never even responding. So the OG friend um, took her a little, a little, a little while to actually respond. So while we were waiting on her to respond, I just got dressed, got ready, and I was like, well, let me just go and like meet up with the one person that has been responding. Like, we just gonna kick it until everybody else get ready and then we'll meet up together. So that became an issue. It was just like, oh, like y'all are hanging out without me. And it's like, but we weren't, that, that was just a circumstance. Like, if you don't respond to the message. So I'll change it from, I don't think it's petty. Like, it seems like, that that has happened to that person on other circumstances and they're a little triggered by that. That's definitely. Which I, think I can understand to, that a little more. And, and we, we talked about that and I said, I think what, what needs to happen is you realizing that this is not happening on a personal. Right. It's nothing level. that you've done to make us be like, we're not hanging out with right, you. Right, like, not at all. We it's were, just a natural progression of friendships. I was just literally ready to get out the fucking house. I was like, well, let me just meet up with, you know, so-and-so, and then we can all... And then, plus, those always end up be like, the coolest times when it's somebody you didn't, like, you've never kicked it with alone, and you're like, this person's cool as right, fuck. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those are always the most random and, like, cool times. And even if y'all never hang out again... It's like, yo, we had that cool ass moment. Like I have friends like that, mm-hmm. like where, like because our our friend group is so big, like I'll have different moments and different things with different one of my friends, mm-hmm. and that's just part of being part of a larger friend group. It's like Wu Tang, we all are just different sides. We all in the Shaolin Temple, yeah, <laughs> but we all got different things. You got RZA, Jizza. Oh Old Dirty Bastard, Method Man, You God, Inspect the Deck, uh, Ghostface Killer, Raekwon the Chef. Okay, roll call. <laughs> but yeah, no, so, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it ended up being like an entire emotional conversation that same day because this person was feeling left out and we had to come to her and be like, that's not like, Number one, to me, like, if you don't respond when we're texting in the group, you are either doing something or you sleep. So I'm I'm not the type of person to press somebody. Like, if I reach out to you a couple times and I don't get anything back, then I'm just going to I'm just going to wait it out until you respond. And if you don't respond, if that's like behavior for you, that's out of the norm, then I'll reach back out and be like, hey, like, is everything OK? Or like, what's up? But I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to press you because if you sleep, then I don't want to interrupt your sleep. Like, what? Let you be, my homie. I don't know. It was just, it was just, um, it was just a thing that had happened that was not the first time. And I was just like, hmm. Like, you know how when I was talking about we all experience things through our own black skin, we have also all experience things through just human life and that tends to show how that tends to manifest in how we react to things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it may seem petty to you or to somebody like if somebody does something out of character and you're just like, yo man, why, why you bro? What the fuck bro? Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a deeper story to why it's like that. 
And I figure, I, I like, I knew that obviously it was a deeper story, especially when she said, when she went to explaining, like, this has just happened to me before. And I was like, okay, I get that. But this is not that. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, I understand how you're, you're going down these same, like, range of emotions in this situation. But literally, like, I literally had to break it down to her about how it even happened that we got together uh, before we showed up to the event. Like, it literally was like, you know what I'm saying? This this is not what you think it is. <laughs> I know what it looks like. <laughs> right. Like, I know what it looks like, but it ain't what it is. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa there, whippersnapper. People were talking about how apparently blackface was more prominent and uh, just accepted more than we even realized. Like, and it's mind blowing all these pictures of all these people with blackface and people coming out saying they did blackface and Gucci had that sweater that is clearly blackface and then didn't Prada have some blackface dolls like last year sometime. Mm, I don't know nothing about that. They had some kind of, I think it was a purse or something, but it pretty much had like a minstrel show uh, doll on it. It was one of the high-end designers. I feel like it was Prada. I don't remember. But yeah, and so somebody uh, tweeted a Fuego hot take (laughs) and they were like, Y'all up here talking about uh, plantations. I mean, y'all up here talking about blackface when plantations are essentially the exact same thing. Wait, he said white millennials having plantation weddings are essentially the same thing as blackface. And then Nick was like, woo, church on a Friday. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> so what, what are your views on somebody who has a plantation southern wedding no i'm gonna ask you first i'm gonna let you go first i have a lot of views because you retweeted it i didn't okay we're gonna start with it seems like we attack white people a lot of times so i'm gonna play this other thing my sister my sister's husband is from eufaula alabama in Eufaula, Alabama, there was a movie made called Sweet Home Alabama with Mrs. Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. All right, you know the plantation. Yeah, I've also been to Eufaula. So. Yeah, that tells you. So you know a, a lot, of, a lot about <laughs> the situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the place where um, her gay best friend lives, the plantation house that he lives in. Mm-hmm. When my sister was about to get married, they were thinking about having a wedding down there and they were thinking about doing it at that plantation. Because, hmm. of course, they rent it out. 
and they didn't. I don't think my sister was thinking about it from that view. Sometimes she doesn't really think of things from that view. Mm-hmm. The woke. Yeah. <laughs> she's not as woke. The woke side of life. She's a little more conservative and she just doesn't look at certain things like that. Now there's other things like she's very against like when all her babies were born do not give her any monkey stuff on her baby stuff. Um, she That is a trigger for her. <laughs> but yeah, she was thinking about doing it there. She ended up having her wedding at the Antebellum House here in Huntsville, which is... Another plantation. I don't think it was a plantation, but it's made to look it's like a plantation. It's made to look like a plantation, yeah. It's, it's fashioned after yes. a plantation. The Antebellum South. <laughs> So, I personally feel like plantations are concentration camps. <laughs> I feel like we romanticize the antebellum South so much that it minimizes the savage nature of slavery. I think a lot of that stuff has been romanticized, um, for one, because people don't even... For, uh, Pinterest is number yes. one. Yes, Pinterest is the number one reason why. It's, because northern white women sometimes want to have a plantation weddings, southern themed style. So it's 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 about aesthetics for one, but and in full disclosure, they are beautiful houses. Yeah, they are. They, they are, are very beautiful houses. It's about aesthetics, but because white people are not on the side of the coin with slavery, they don't think about the actual history. Like, white people love vintage and historical stuff and things that, you know what I'm saying, are, are laced with history. But when it comes to slavery is when that just kind of gets like... It's a disconnect. ...thrown out the window. Like, it's not even considered... They just think, oh, this is an old house. Like, that's just how it was. How it was back then. But I feel like, especially when weddings come around, like vintage things and old things are very, um, they're highly correlated with like love. Yeah. For some reason, they are the good old days. Right. They don't ever have to consider that those good old days were bad for our ancestors. I think. I think that kind of stuff makes them feel like they're carrying on some kind of like American tradition or some kind of like, um, what's the word? Um, I can't think of it, but yeah, they're carrying on some American tradition. And it's also just a trend. Like, yeah, it is. Now I have only been to one actual plantation wedding <laughs> and <laughs> And it was uh, Sloan and Megan's. It was a place out. Uh, what's it called? Past Athens or whatever. But uh, <laughs> when they got there, they were in the house, and the grooms, uh, like all the uh, the groomsmen, were back there, and it was just uh, Confederate States of America stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember Sloan. Somebody told me so. I was like. Juice isn't going to like this when he gets here. <laughs> Juice probably has some thoughts. 
when he yeah. got there. But I, I, I held him back. Like, I understand everybody's not going to understand the full scope of uh, uh, slavery and stuff like that. And I was going to go because they're my friends and I was going to be there. Yeah. And like, I've never gotten a racist vibe from any of them. So I honestly just think that um, I honestly think that it is like I know that people don't think like when they think plantation home for a wedding or an event, they're not really thinking about like the history of slavery and all that. And I feel like I kind of almost feel like it's unfair for white people to even be able to own these certain plantation homes and use them as venues. Like I I understand that these homes have been repurposed, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it can get kind of dangerous when you have white people running plantations again. Like it's right. It's just the only thing I will say before I get to this other point is a lot of the houses that we think of like a lot of the new plantation houses were actually rebuilt plantations. Yeah. So they were literally burned to the ground by the union troops and then people bought the land after the families got in debt and couldn't pay the taxes and they bought that as a business interest to sell just for weddings and stuff and they're not even thinking about it. But the fact that the hands that made that ground mm-hmm. were black hands. And a lot of those places have black people serving them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And a lot of people have gotten in trouble because they want black people to wear the, uh, what's the name of it? The fashion of that era. Mm-hmm. Well, of that era, black people were literally in chains. <laughs> Therefore, that is why I believe they are concentration camps. It is akin to you building a beautiful place on a place that imprisoned and killed thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is where black people come to die. Right. They work until they die or get beat for doing some stupid trivial shit and before i'll be a slave i'll be in my grave (laughs) (laughs) but this is my main beef with it everybody always wants to tell us to get over slavery or get over the effects of slavery and jim crow but you literally celebrate and the fact that most of most white people's ancestors most of them didn't own slaves yeah so the idea that this is how it was is bullshit for one because your family probably worked on those same plantations. They worked alongside black people. It's just they convinced them that they were better, better just than, because they were white. Li- yeah, but they secretly called them white niggers behind their back. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of this, since we have time, um, there's that one woman running who is thinking of running for president. I think her last name is Williamson. She's Oprah's friend. I literally know nothing about this woman. I think I saw one picture. It was like 
black people deserve reparations or something. I was like, hmm. Yeah, but she's talking about uh she's talking about doing the thing of a hundred billion dollars over ten years for reparations of black people. And the same niggas that say Kamala or Cory Booker are pandering to black people while like, whoa, whoa, let's hear this woman out. They, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> like, bro, first off, I don't think that we'll ever get reparations. No, I don't think so either. For several reasons. For one, who gets reparations? We would have to do so much, like, ancestral history to figure out who would be able to get what. And you still wouldn't be able to have certain documentation because slave records were not well kept. And then how do you also decide how much you're going to give to you know what I'm saying? Like, right. And then you ask do certain people get certain amount because of certain historical things that happened to them? Or uh, are Africans and non and non-continental descendants of the diaspora are they entitled to that if their families came into the Jim Crow South right when do we stop like it's tons of reasons to why it would be messy Mm -hmm. other part of it is that shit ain't ever gonna fucking happen uh, (laughs) we the people who hold on to that idea that black people are gonna get reparations eventually are black people who don't have anything just hoping that somebody gonna put something in their pockets and the super woke community well i mean in full disclosure do i think that black people are entitled to reparations yes we deserve it absolutely but i i ain't gonna hold my breath for that because i don't want to die also (laughs) also being realistic it's just not it's a hard selling point to tell people that for one, it would take years to even start like doing all that paperwork that I was just talking about. And that's multiple administrations in which one of those can be, I ain't giving these niggas that shit. Precisely. <laughs> it definitely ain't going to happen. Uh, I know 45, eight. anytime soon with this president that we have right now, even though his ancestors weren't even fucking America until the 1880s. Well, he talking about our forefathers. No, nigga, our my Ooh. forefathers. <laughs> Your you forefathers. Exactly, nigga. <laughs> Your family was in Prussia, chilling. <laughs> Prussia. And Prussia, if you don't know, it's Germany. Before it was Germany. Um. That nigga in Ireland. I forgot his mom was from Ireland. Yeah, no, I think her like talking about reparations. It's it's just pandering. Like she literally pulled some shit out of her ass like somebody said like what are you gonna do for the black community and she just I'll give them reparations she's like you know what you're getting reparations <laughs> you're getting reparations you're getting reparations it's it's we're over it that's not what we want right I want realistic we ways. want y'all to stop killing us right let's start there let's start there <laughs> let's live first let's end the slave trade that's happening now <laughs> That's in mass mass incarceration. Okay. Now, I have seen some people say some shit that I don't agree with, where they're saying that we should abolish all prisons. Whoa, 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 whoa. Some of y'all niggas need to be locked up. (laughs) (laughs) Completely abolish prisons? Like, what? I get that we need to stop having, like, using prison labor as slave labor. Like, in the state of Louisiana, 
all the people that work in their state offices that clean it and do all that cook and do all the stuff are mm-hmm. all inmates. Mm-hmm. So they're literally profiting off slave labor. We can discuss those issues or we can discuss if those people are paid at, at somewhat of a more realistic wage for the work that they're doing. Mm. We can discuss that, but to say that we need to get rid of all prisons. Mm-mm. I think about that, uh, that Richard Pryor, Thing where he was talking. Some crazy ass niggas out there. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Triple life. That's a good that's a good ass stand up. That that stand up, Eddie Murphy Raw. Eddie Murphy Raw. Which hasn't aged that well because that whole first part where he's talking about gay people, you're like, woo. Yeah. I have an, uh, a lonely heart uh, event. No, no, sir. There is like a speed dating thing that's happening. I saw somewhere. Yo, we should do that. Both of us, we should just do it. Ooh, well, first just for all, the content. First of all, it costs money. How much? I think it's like 25 bucks. I and got I, you. I don't know if a dinner is provided or not. I'm not sure. I don't know what that 25 bucks is going to cover. We should do it. Just for the content, well, like Nick. <laughs> I have to work late that night. Like I don't, I'm closing that night, and I think the event is from like six to eight or some shit. So, but I think I'm gonna go out after work. Um, throw prob- on some sexy. Wow. See what I can catch. As far Dad, as she's going fishing. As far as men, not nothing else. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know. You know what I'm fish. saying? I'm not, I'm not, I used to, I can't even say I used to be like, I've never been the one to be like the woe is me on Valentine's Day type of person. Like, for yeah. one, I just be like, woe is me. I'm single all year. So <laughs> I'm single. So I don't, I don't take Valentine's Day to, to, to harp on being single, but, um, yeah, I, I don't really get 
every time I try to get a Valentine, that shit always works out terrible. So, I don't really look that much into it. Also, I'm also kind of moody on Valentine's Day. Oh, you're going to be in your feels. I mean, not because of that, but because Valentine's Day was Chance's birthday. Yep. That's another thing. So. I was thinking about that the other day. And of all people to have a birthday on Valentine's Day. Right. That nigga (laughs) was definitely. (laughs) Birthday on Valentine's Day. Mr. Valentine. (laughs) Funeral on April Fool's. Yes. That shit is crazy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I'm just going to get cute and see what happens. I am. I'm going to be optimistic. I am trying to be optimistic. I am. You should go out. You should come out. I might. You should. You should let that be your social night for the let, week. Let me ask. Life. I'm. I'm trying to be. I gotta meet somebody, man. Like only you can make the call of of what you feel is right for you in in a certain moment. But I also feel like this whole new 21st century dating is a little weird. It is. I've been trying to say that for a long time, but yeah, but I wasn't going out. <laughs> So I'm just saying your word for now, it. Now you you now you didn't been out and you see that like, this shit oh, is this is different, trash. different. The shit is trash. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something, man. It's hard. For no reason like unnecessarily hard. Yeah. But I am trying to be optimistic. I'm gonna I'm open to dating. That is uh where I'm at. I am open to going out and going places. You do need to start going out. That's what Stan told me. And then I was like, You know where you should start hanging out? You start hanging out with me at the Goose. The Goose is a cool place. I feel like you can meet some cool people there. Like, even if it's not on a dating situation, you can meet some good friends that could turn into some shit. I don't need no new friends. No No new friends. No new friends. Um, friends. I like the Goose. I like. Sip is cool, but man, they drinks be expensive. I have wanted a, a reason to go to Purveyor. Never been to Purveyor. I, I am I'm interested in going on a date. So, ladies, you want to go experience this new Huntsville nightlife? Uh, DMs are open. But don't be out here just trying to get no free, free food. Exactly. But... Get your bum ass together. If you try to experience a cultural experience with uh, a handsome chubby fellow with a great taste in music and uh, a worldly point of view, (laughs) DMs are open. I feel like you're going to end up with a white woman. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing's wrong with that. (laughs) Nothing's wrong with that. That's what somebody else told me. I just, I feel like, I just feel that. I feel it. I I also have the same feeling. I've actually thought about that a lot. And we could be completely wrong. Like, but what, what makes you think that? Um, I think my, my, I'm very eccentric and very weird. Yeah, not yes and no. I just feel like your personality. Black women are just really naturally. Um, 
and I hate to say it because it's a fucking stereotype, but they're just naturally a little bit more dominant, a little bit more strong. And I feel like those kind of women would see you as a friend more than someone that they would date. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's more white women that would be more romantically attracted to your personality than... I could see that. But, and I could be wrong. It could just be like because of where, you we're, know what? where we're at. I've always kind of felt, I've always thought that, but no black woman has ever actually explained it to me. Like, hmm. like to where it's like, okay, I understand that. Because I'm not a, I'm not the typical brother. You're not, and that's, and I'm not trying to say that all black women date typical brothers. Right, but it's just, just a fact. But I feel like there is some kind of a a correlation to to women, to black, like who, what kind of black men, black women date. The idea of black masculinity is different from my yes, masculinity. That's it. That's it. And plus I have a baby face. <laughs> You do. I listen to Smashing Pumpkins when I'm done. <laughs> you do. I wear Doc Martens. <laughs> no, the weird thing is, all the black girls that would be attracted to that are, de- are definitely attracted to white dudes. That's the dilemma. That's very true. Are you black? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title of this shit. <laughs> Are we black? <laughs> Wait. We used to do that with uh when we would hang out with people. And, uh, like, because Cody would always be around us. But we would never hide the fact that Cody was gay or anything. Mm-hmm. But when people would realize what was in front of them the entire time, that Cody was always, that was Cody's boyfriend that was always around. And they'd be like, wait, 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 Cody's gay? And they'd be like, <gasps> Cody, you're gay. <laughs> or when, like, when Cody would tell somebody that he was gay, he'd be like, "Well, I'm gay," and he'd be like, "Cody, you're gay. You're gay. Oh my god. What? <laughs> Since when? <laughs> like, just to play with him. Are we black? I'm pretty black. You're pretty black. Yeah, but we just don't fit into the stereotypes of black." Hmm. Well, it's going to be a lot of thinking when I go home tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, uh, Beyonce did a tribute to Kelly because it's her birthday today. Speaking of beautiful black women. Bruh, Kelly. Ugh, she's so gorgeous. I mean, Beyonce is gorgeous. <clears throat> Definitely. But I mean, it's easy for us to say Beyonce is gorgeous because she's a light-skinned black woman. Yep. <laughs> Goes back to everything. But Look yeah. at them. They were so cute. But, uh, so I guess we're done. Happy birthday, Stanford Chance Wilson. On the other side, we'll meet one day. But, uh, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Curvy Brown Girl. And you can find me at a kid named Juice. 
You can follow our Instagram at sub underscore urban pod or follow our Facebook page also at sub underscore urban pod. You can find our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Some of the music provided on today's episode is thanks to our good friend, Corey Battle. You can find him on SoundCloud at DJC Battle. New episodes are available every Thursday. Thank you.